Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm just plowing ahead. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky, and of course, I'm joined by Corey DLG, my co-host and producer, Nico. We've got a lot to get to NFL headlines. We've got big news for the Houston Texans that we're going to dig into. But first, gentlemen, we made it through the bye. We're back to football. We, we don't have a week off anymore. Houston Texans football is back this week. How are we feeling? I'm ready. I'm ready for more domination. One and zero in the last two weeks of football. We are undefeated. I I can't imagine what could possibly go wrong. Uh, I assume nothing. So I'm ready. Won the bye week. I feel like the a lot of Texans fans I think would say that the Jack Easterby news is a continuation of a victory in the bye week. You know what? Like that's a good way to put it. Coming out of the bye week with him being terminated on Monday, uh, that is a win in a lot of people's books. So probably, yeah. I think a lot of I think a lot of Texans fans are counting that as a W. We're gonna get into uh, what this means for the team as well as maybe how this is really important for after the season is over, but. And we're also, like I said, NFL headlines. We're going to pick something from around the league. But first, Corey, I want to get your your reaction when you saw this yesterday. What was your initial reaction? Um, genuinely, actually, a, a little bit of relief. So, I, I'm a, I'm a, I guess I'm probably like a super fan of some kind. Like I, I really, really pay attention to the stuff that happens in the Texans. And so, Jack Easterby is not a stranger to me and i've heard a lot of the rumors and stories of what goes on behind the scenes and how in the bill o'brien era he was a really important figure in decision making and personnel he got people fired um there was a lot going on with him and so under this new regime nick casario knew jack used to be back in their patriots days and my first concern was like how how plugged in is he gonna still be with this new regime because he worked with the new general manager and the lovey smith hiring lovey smith even though he was a defensive coach on the old staff it didn't feel like he had a ton of power you know he wasn't even initially interviewed for the head coaching job so it wasn't necessarily like lovey smith was really that plugged in to the texans leadership model so again it was another like who you know, there's kind of a curtain aspect to NFL uh, NFL teams where you don't necessarily always know who's making decisions. Now, with the Patriots, it's, it's, it's obvious it's Bill Belichick. Uh, any Anything that happens on that team, there's only one person to ask. It's Bill Belichick. The, but not every team operates that way. A lot of teams operate with some kind of committee or organizational chart where one person's say is weighted a lot more than everyone else's. Uh, and so Jack Easterby was kind of an unknown variant where you're like, man, I don't know – 
how much say does he still have post Bill O'Brien? So seeing that he was let go coming out of the bye week after the Jaguars win, uh, it definitely makes you feel a lot better about the decision-making model that we're using, that Nick Casario is truly making personnel decisions and that Lovey Smith is truly making coaching decisions and that there's not this weird third-party outside voice adding input to these things. Um, that that was my initial reaction. And, and a lot of people don't necessarily know a ton about him, so we're, we're going to get into some of this you know, throughout this episode, but he's kind of a shady guy, uh, Jack Easterby. There was, there was a lot of stories got, that got revealed now that he's out that you can kind of tell where it doesn't actually give up sources and stuff. So like on ESPN Radio, um, John Granada and Zerline were kind of telling a lot of stories about just stuff that had happened, stuff they had seen, stuff they had gotten from sources. During the Jack Easterby era, that was a mess. Um, first of all, he had some inconsistencies, we'll say nicely, on his resume. Uh, I was um, I wanted to say this is – if you're looking at, you know, how did we get here? Weirdest Wikipedia page I think of any NFL like executive or front office person, like a a, a primary front office person. He's obviously uh, in charge of football operations. It's a pretty prominent role uh, before he was like goal. If you go over his his Wikipedia page, South Carolina Gamecocks character coach from 2005 to 2011 for the basketball team and character coach for the uh, Gamecocks baseball team. He jumps from that Mm, to 2011, 2012. He is the Kansas City Chiefs uh, chaplain. And then from 2013 to 2018, he comes in during that Aaron Hernandez, uh, the, the arrest and trial and all the mess that was coming out of that. He was a, a character coach, kind of working with players through that uh, for a few years. And then he jumps over to Houston, where that's where it kind of gets gets into this murky territory of he's, uh, he's coming over uh, to be kind of in this leadership character role and then uh, help build a culture as well as strategic planning in that culture. And you're not... Like, what exactly does that mean? And all of a sudden, he's uh, put in charge of football operations. Let me let me read you. This is from Sports Illustrated, a definition of that job when he got the job. It says, handling, quote, everything from team logistics to salary cap management to sports science equipment, video player development, and security for football operations. Now, I don't mean to dunk on somebody that just lost their job, but from the resume I just read, does it feel like he should have been put in a position to handle team logistics, salary cap management, sports science? Uh, he should have been allowed inside an NFL stadium, honestly. Um, okay, <laughs> It feels so like a really something- good example of people – so many – and this is in all walks of life, but it really – is weird in such a prominent spot as sports with so many people caring about in such a, an intimate way as people care about sports. But in so many walks of life, people will get jobs, not because of their qualifications, but because of who they know feels like this is the best example of that. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, so in his original resume, somewhere there's a time where he interned with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, 
he told people around the league that he was involved in the personnel decision-making tree for the Jaguars. When player, when reporters here in Houston started looking into it after he got the role in, in leadership here in Houston, they started kind of vetting the resume. So reporters, oh, reporters do this. Your resume is somewhere like people will ask, "Hey, what are his qualifications? Can I get a copy of his CV?" That kind of thing, and they'll 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 backtrack and they'll look over some of it. And apparently, the, whoever it was that looked into it and called Jacksonville, the guy's sources in Jacksonville laughed him off the phone when he first asked if if uh, Jack Easterby had been involved in personnel decisions. And then it was like the guy was an intern; he had nothing to do with personnel whatsoever. He was never involved with us in any decision-making capabilities, blah, 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 blah. Well, Jack Easterby got a hold of that, that this guy was finding it out, and he begged him off of the story uh, probably by trading some stuff from the Patriots because the Patriots firmly believe that Jack Easterby is their big leak when behind-the-scenes stuff would come out about during that era of Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, and Bill Belichick having their feud, and the doctor was there and all that stuff, that era is the Jack Easterby era. And so all this behind-the-scenes stuff that people were finding out, post him leaving, a lot of people realized it was probably Jack Easterby. Not what you want from your character coach. Right. Definitely not what you want from your character coach. Him leaking all kinds <laughs> of crazy information. <laughs> and just being a shady person who's lying on their resume, too. Like, not great. Right. And so, also, some of the other stuff that, that came out, like, he would he would heavily explode any of his accomplishments internally within the company. Uh, apparently, for one game, during warm-ups, one of the players wore the wrong pants. Like, a home pants instead of away pants kind of a deal, Okay. Well, he noticed, and he told the player in the locker room that they needed to swap pants, and so they did. But he used that for the next month to harp on getting rid of the old guys because they don't pay attention to stuff anymore. And that they're just on autopilot, and they're checked out, and they're not paying attention to details, and that's why we're losing, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and by the time the story got anywhere, he had, he had caught like five players that day in wrong uniform stuff, and they had to swap it out. And... Anyone behind the scenes was like, he saw one guy. There was one guy, and like four people caught it. Like, it wasn't a thing. Feels very much like uh, Chris Paul I... calling out players for untucked jerseys. <laughs> hey, that won him a game one time. I know it did, which is the most annoying part of that. But <laughs> it just has that vibe. Yeah, it, it does. It does. And so, like, he, he went around all day just kind of puffing out his chest, I guess, about, like, hey, I, I saved us a bunch of fines because there was literally – Half the team was wearing the wrong pants, blah, 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 blah. And so it kind of blows up into a thing uh, where he kind of fabricated the whole scandal. You know what I mean? So it wasn't really – he had a lot of that built around him where other people involved in the Texans, they would find out like days later that according to Jack Easterby that they had done a bad job the day before or something. Does it so – A really positive influence in the organization. Is it weird for you that, like, guys can fall into jobs like this at this level? Or does it kind of make sense? Just because there's so much exposure on NFL jobs. And, again, like I said, I get – like, this has happened to 
people listening to this can think of immediately a time where somebody just knew somebody versus being qualified for something or uh, being in the right position for a job. They just knew the right people to get a gig, right? This happens all the time. Yeah. But it's still it still yeah. surprises me when it happens in something like the NFL where there's tons of reporters dedicating there's so much money on the line there's so much at stake to have a guy fall I mean football operations again you're handling like salary cap stuff you're making decisions on players roster decisions uh you're in the war room for the draft I mean like this is a big deal I it's always crazy that and I I don't think there's a lot of Texans fans that really believe that he was doing uh a bang-up job at the helm there but I, it's still surprising when guys you look back and say, "Wow, how did he fall into this job?" Um, it, so it's disappointing, but I don't think it's surprising because I think a guy like this is universal. I think a guy like this is in every job, in every industry, in every career. I think there are people like this. Um, just the other day with my parents, I was reminiscing. My my stepdad and I were going over like when we've worked places and there would be just this awful person and you would be like, you don't even understand like the decision-making at that point. Like how do they, how do they get out of bed and just make the wrong choice over and over? Like, do they, do they make, is it like a mantra they have to say every morning? Like today I'm going to go and do everything wrong, no matter (laughs) how little sense it makes. But, but there are people who are like that. And there's also people who are really, really good at turning person A against person B and taking advantage of that situation and advantage of that conflict to escalate their own selves. Uh, the NFL is about being the best of the best of the best, right? Like, allegedly, it's a true meritocracy. I think there's a lot of racial issues still involved, and there's a lot of issues still in the NFL about getting the right people in the right jobs. If you look at how many white coaches and white general managers and white owners are still there, it's clearly not a, a genuine meritocracy, but there is a lot of, this guy earned it, so we're going to give him the shot kind of stuff mm-hmm. that happens in the NFL. But that doesn't mean it's perfect because there's a lot of these guys who just want to do the one thing. I just want to be the football guy. I just want to be a football guy. And what that means is there's a lot of room for people to come in and kind of stoke ego and steal thunder and take advantage of opportunity. And you got to think, even though there's only 32 of these jobs in the world or of these organizations in the world, there are about 10 that are consistently bad. And there's probably a good reason why they're consistently bad. There's probably some people in their front office who, when they hear the Jack Easterby stories, they hit pretty close to home. No, you're you're right. It's it's unfortunate that happens, but like I said, we we all have those stories, and it it stinks. It stinks for it stinks for all of us. Uh, I want to get into a little bit of the the impact going away from what this might actually do for for Houston. But first, let's hear from some sponsors, Corey. All right. Uh, It's never a good idea to drink and drive, but what if you had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs, someone who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has 100 hours of hands-on instruction in a lab learning the sciences used in DWI cases. A lawyer ACS qualified to be designated a lawyer scientist. Because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases. Your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science at trial. Attorney Brian Asen is a designated lawyer scientist, and the lawyers at Asen Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call Asen Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's Asen Law Firm at 832-209-2297, or visit dwilawyerhouston.com. 
Also, let me take advantage of this time to tell you guys about the latest party to hit the Houston scene, Custom Geek Parties. Everything from corporate team building exercises, geek-themed weddings, RPG parties, board game parties, cosplay parties, and more. Call Gamers Inner Circle at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle, are you in yet? Those guys are awesome. I think it's a really cool idea. They'll even make custom cakes and things like that for events. Make sure to check them out. Custom Geek Parties, 281-746-4260. So, Corey, I think... All right, Colton, what do you got for us? I think that this will probably have some pretty big impacts on what we have already laid out as a really significant draft for the Texans coming up uh, following the conclusion of this season. But I was wondering, do you do you feel like this will have an impact? I mean, you talked a little bit about just the, the weird vibes that he's putting out in the locker room around the team. Akin maybe to a coach getting fired, do you think that this could potentially have an impact immediately on the field and just how this team operates as a cohesive unit going forward over the next couple of weeks? Do you anticipate a little juice, a little maybe giddy up in the step of the Houston Texans roster over the next couple of weeks now that the the bad guy maybe is out of the building? So I, I do think it's a possibility. Um as odd as that sounds, there was a big kind of explosion on Twitter. Uh, so Andre Johnson, who's sort of a saint among Texans, uh, he's the the first like great offensive player of this of this franchise. I'll be dead honest; he's not one of my favorite guys. I think in his career there were some times that he kind of maybe he wasn't giving best effort, and I, he was he wasn't working with the best quarterbacks and all that. And I understand that. And there were times that the offense was rough. And there were times where he elevated his play to, to, to levels of greatness. But overall, I do think he is kind of regarded as like the legendary Texan. Him and J.J. Watt are really the two guys. Well, Jack Easterby ran Andre Johnson off. He was one of the guys that Jack Easterby didn't want around the team anymore. And so a couple years ago, he, he had some kind of promotional position with the team, and he left it. Uh, well, the second this news broke, uh, someone retweeted it, and then J.J. Watt tweeted, like, oh, the legend returns, referencing Andre Johnson. Immediately, a couple other old-school legendary Texans chimed in, uh, including DeAndre Hopkins, and they were like, yeah, for sure, this is your moment. So there is kind of this push amongst the non-affiliated Texans right now to get some of this greatness back, on, back in the building, at least. And... You never know what that does. I mean, maybe Andre Johnson can can be a little inspirational. Maybe there's something he can maybe help these receivers with. God knows that they need all the help they can get. I, you know, if he wants to come in and be the assistant wide receivers coach tomorrow, I think they could hire him. Um, <laughs> no doubt. So I don't. I mean, yeah, like bring him in right now. Uh, I, can he I still play? <laughs> that, yeah. Do you want? Can we redraft you? What are the rules here? Can he suit you up? Paperwork. Um. Yeah. We, we kept your shoulder pads. Um, so your locker actually so is still think, here. Yeah, we never we never emptied it the last time. <laughs> I think there's an opportunity for kind of this morale boost, like, oh, the goat walks through the door and everyone goes, oh, my God, he's back. Um, but also I think just it, it, work always feels a little bit better the day after you get rid of the guy nobody wanted to be around, right? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, and – I think that it could, I mean, if he, if some of this stuff is 
half as true as the the stories that you're hearing uh about this guy i think that there could be a, a real kind of lift of a little bit of a cloud as far as the day-to-day stuff around the facility uh in practices around meetings that kind of thing uh i mean this doesn't change the houston texas are still a bad team so i'm not expecting to rip through a couple of wins here but i what what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it could help the overall vibe of the team. I think the big impact when you are losing somebody who's supposed to be making pretty crucial decisions on the franchise, I think the draft or maybe like free agency, that's where I think this could really play a role when you're talking about deciding roster spots, handling the money uh, in the war room uh, for when you're you're handling a draft. This is a we, we've mentioned it before. This is a big draft. There's a quarterback heavy class coming to the NFL this next draft. But just in general, there's a lot of positions. The, the Texas did a good job of addressing a lot of needs last draft. But the way that you really make a draft payoff is you're hitting on multiple drafts in a row. So you're able to get that new influx of talent a couple of years right that's when you notice that young talent really making a difference on a roster is a couple of years of drafts hitting in a row that's the hardest part i think about drafting is that you you got to do it a few years in a row to really make an impact on your roster and with the quarterback class coming in i think the significance and the impact of this draft could kind of dictate the next six years of the texas i don't want to overplay it but if they did a good job last year, if they really knock it out of the park uh, and grab a quarterback and a couple other positions in this next draft, you're really setting yourself up for at least the next, like, what, three years? And I think if you're getting somebody who didn't really know what they're doing out of the building ahead of that, I think that's where you really see that pay dividends, as well as just handling stuff like free agency, your cap, picking up uh, some guys, maybe finding some diamonds in the rough uh, in the offseason. I feel like you're going to see after the season's over this move really pay dividends because that stuff has to, you have to start working on that stuff right now, right? Nobody, (laughs) the good franchises aren't showing up after the season's like, all right, so who are the good college players, right? That's already happening right now. So getting him out of the building and getting the right people working on that stuff, I think you're going to see the impacts of that down the road in a few months. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to give you an idea of some of the decisions that he was allegedly heavily involved in, uh, the Laramie Tunsil contract extension, which is around the league, universally panned and ignored. That's This is the important part. The Laramie Tunsil contract is ignored when other tackles are signing deals with teams. Typically, when, you, when one guy resets the market, Laramie Tunsil got a record-breaking contract for left tackles. Typically what that means is the next left tackle goes, okay, well, Laramie Tunsil is the third best tackle in the league. I'm the second best tackle in the league, so I should get a little bit more than him. And the team goes, we agree you're the second best left tackle. We agree you should get a little bit more than him. What teams have done, there's been about four left tackles who have signed big deals post Laramie Tunsil. All of them ignored the Laramie Tunsil deal. Um, Which means neither the player's agent and neither the team felt that that was a good starting point for their client. Um, so, and being the salary cap guy, and being the assistant to Bill O'Brien in decision-making, 
that is directly in the lap of of uh, Easterby. Along so that's one of them. Well, along with tra- making trades like getting DeAndre Hopkins, get uh, yeah, getting DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins. Out of the you're losing talent, and they didn't accrue any first round picks for when they were uh, selling on guys like Hopkins. When you're getting Clowney, uh, all these guys who were solid players, and you're getting basically nothing back from there. That that's the other part of it too is that side of decision making really really horrible and you lay that at the feet of both bill o'brien and easterby yeah the deandre hopkins trade i don't necessarily have a problem with giving the setting behind it where he was always asking for raises he has gotten a ton of money from arizona and produced very little so they already honestly they probably regret even giving up what they gave up to got him to get him they just activated him to the 53 man roster this year so they'll have another chance to maybe prove it wrong but in this is his third season with them it hasn't, if you go back and look at the Arizona numbers, they're not great. The thing that probably, the thing that was the hardest thing for me to have to like defend when I would talk about the trade was always the David Johnson part because David Johnson wasn't good and he did cost a lot of money. Uh, and, bring, and and getting him included in the trade apparently was a Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby thing. Like they wanted David Johnson here. So that part of it, they absolutely have to take the hit for. Um, Clowney a lot less because if you look at what's happened post him, he, he, he hasn't latched on anywhere. He just wanted, he just way overvalued himself and he way overplayed his situation and he forced us into just a God awful trade with the Seahawks. Um, and he didn't stick with anyone, you know, he's signing one year deal at a time and one year he turned down. I think the Browns at one point had offered him something like 20. And at the beginning of free agency, and he said no. He went around the whole league, and then he wound up signing with the Browns for like 12 at the end of free agency. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. But you're still uh, like, one year. like, and maybe it applies less to Clowney, I'll, I'll give you that, but when you look at the money that the Cardinals gave uh, Hopkins, like they're telling you how much they valued him. So even if yeah, even if he's they, not producing, like a money. team is telling you how much they value that player, so well, you but, should be but, able to get more in return for that if they're valuing him at a no, certain level. No, 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 but that's the problem. Part of the trade math was whoever gets him has to pay him because he was going to require an extension to play for the other team. He was like, wherever you send me, they're going to give me money. So that hurt his trade value already. Okay. So like, uh, I think it was Diggs. like two weeks later got traded and he got traded for two first round picks and everybody was like, Oh my God, the Texans got hosed on their trade. But the thing was, was Diggs had just signed the year before like a four-year, $80 million extension. 
So the other team knew exactly what they were paying for Sam Diggs versus Arizona knew after we, uh, Stephon Diggs. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was thinking of the, his brother. Um, so versus with, with, uh, with Hopkins, Arizona knew they were going to have to give up draft capital and then give him a ton of money just to get him on the field. So they're going to give up less draft picks to us because they're going to give more money to him. So he heard us on that side of it. DeAndre did. And of course he did because he was being traded and he didn't want to go. Like, obviously that, that factors into it. I get that part of it. But the other part of it was when they give him all that money because they value him that highly, the expectation is that he's going to deliver. And if you look at his numbers, I think, I think he had six touchdowns his first year. But he, I think he was like third in the league in catches. So I guess if you want to, however you want to value that, you can say whatever you want. The second year, he only plays seven games. And then this year, he missed the first six games because of PED suspension. So, like, already you're getting into, like, questionable territory. A lot of guys, when they come back from PED suspensions, they're not the same player. So, well, you also generally that might be they, because they they're not on PEDs anymore. But, you know, who knows? Well, and they should have gotten Allegedly. more draft <laughs> capital for taking on David Johnson's contract as opposed to looking Every, I mean, at yeah, that everybody, as, a, as a bonus. Dude. In the hindsight – yeah, in the hindsight, it's easy to poo-poo these things, and I agree. Taking on David Johnson makes the trade muddier. Like, David Johnson's the hard part of that trade to defend analytically, right? Like, because he, he had already had two bad seasons and was still costing a lot of money. So that part of the trade is dumber for the Texans. That's the part where they lose the trade, I think. But just getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins and getting whatever it was, a second and a third or a second and a fifth or whatever it wound up being, because of the money situation, because he was going to – and he did screw up their cap. They're already having Arizona this year. He had to re-sign. He's had to restructure his deal twice already, DeAndre Hopkins has. And they're already restructuring other guys' deals. And and they're still taking on more wide receivers. They just traded for Robbie Anderson uh, this weekend. So, like, they clearly don't – they're clearly not even settled at wide receiver. And they're giving this guy just a truck full of money. Well, part of that is also because they've missed on a lot of wide receiver draft picks. Uh, I th- I think D Hop. Yeah. I mean, you're paying premium prices for for top level wide receivers. I think D Hop is still a top level wide receiver. But all of this, all of this is just adding to my point of this is all a mess. We can agree that this is all a mess <laughs> yes, for the Texans. It is, it is all. You're kind of getting out of that, and I think you can get excited about a better off season if you're Houston coming up in a few months. For sure, there's now like a continuity feeling of like. Everyone's going to be rowing the boat in the same direction. There's adults at the wheel. Um, well, let's not go that far. Let's not go that <laughs> Maybe. far until we... There might be adults at the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> right. We we had one good draft. Now let's see if we can pair that with a second good draft. And also, I'd like to see them acquire one or two quality players in free agency. Not a ton. I don't want them to go out and spend $150 million on somebody or anything like that. But I want to see them go get one or two guys who are going to help start somewhere on this team to make everything a little bit easier. Instead of being like, we got to draft and replace everybody with draft picks. Let's go sign a left guard or a right guard or something. Like, let's, let's go sign a, you know, a tight end to make this a little bit easier for everybody. Instead of being like, let's develop at every position. All right. Do you have any – we should get to NFL headlines, but do you have any other stories you wanted to share before we, we move on to the next thing? Uh, no, it just – it came across really overall that – I guess kind of the epilogue on the Jack Easterby story is that for 
this seems to be true of everyone. And I don't, I don't want to get too, too far into this, but I always say this about types of people. When you make yourself about quote unquote one thing, like if you're the character coach, or let's take it on a broad scale, not unless I get specific, but like let's talk about politics. If you're politically like uh, anti uh, homosexuals or something. The harder you are in that direction, it tends to be the more likely they find out that you actually don't have any character or that you actually are secretly homosexual. Like, how many times do they find out, like, the pastor of a super church is, like, on the weekends he does meth and hangs out with gay uh, with gay escorts? And you're like, well, that, that might be a problem for that image he was, he was building up on the weekdays. Um, and so it does feel like Easterby is definitely one of those... I'm a character guy, but the louder you scream it, the less true it becomes kind of a thing. Uh, so I, I'm not going to miss that. I'm not going to miss that at all for the Texans. I don't think a lot of Texans fans are going to, are going to miss, are going to miss this guy uh, to, to say the but least. You know what I mean? Like, is that a crazy, is that a crazy thought? Have you ever noticed that though? Like the harder somebody shouts at, at, at like on a particular topic where they're like, I am the character person. Like the more likely it is, you're going to find out they're not the character person. I get what you're saying. We took some weird analogies to get there, but I think I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one that always comes to my head because every time like a TV pass or whatever goes on one of those rants, it's like, okay, it's going to be two weeks before somebody outs this guy. Like it always, I feel like it always happens with those. Yeah. Guys. The pendulum swings like, one way and then drastically the other, uh, as far as <laughs> it really does. morals or ethics or something. I, uh, yeah, it finds out you stealing from the church or something like that. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I get I get the reference we're going with. Uh, let's let's get out of here before we get into trouble. Before we get to NFL headlines, uh, Corey, let's hear from a few more sponsors. It's time to trade in your masks for face masks. Load up the hoppers and go to war with your friends. Too hot? Too rainy? Too cold? Splat Zone has you covered, literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family and get to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. 11260 Hempstead. Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Splat Zone is a great, low-impact, family-friendly experience, and if you use their website to make reservations, you can get 5% off by using the code BATTLEREDSPLAT. Make sure to get on the website and check it out today. BATTLEREDSPLAT, 5% off on the website. Also, we want to tell you guys about the Adventure Begins Stadium. It's at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130 in Conroe, Texas. Check out the Marcel Town Center anytime you go down there on 1488. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More is a, is a bright, family-friendly, well-lit, great place to go. It's super clean. The staff is very friendly and knowledgeable. Nico and I do our nerd stuff there. And most importantly, on the second floor right there, they've opened up the Adventure Begins Stadium. And right there, they're selling sports and memorabilia, sports cards, and sports-type things. Check it out. Make sure you get up there and check it out. There's all kinds of good, fun signed memorabilia, but more importantly, all those great packs of cards that everybody's buying and getting into right now. You never know. You could open up a pack that changes your life and get a one-of-one one Tom Brady signed thing. I don't know what they're giving away in these cards, but they're always worth like 30 grand when you find it or whatever it is. So get to the Adventure Begin Stadium. Check them out. Have yourself a great time. Enjoy. Back to you, Colton. So NFL headlines, the the big storyline. What are the big storylines that we're latching on to? Uh, I, I know that you've got one cooking on the Broncos, Corey, but before you go there, I think the, the thing that we have not discussed, but we really have to touch on here as we close out the show for NFL headlines, the pass, the roughing, the passer calls. All right. We just had another one last oh, okay. night okay. in the, in the Broncos chargers Monday night football game. 
Uh, it's really getting to the point where they are just dying to, to make these calls. I know that you have you don't want to hit them in the head. You don't want to hit below the knee. You don't want to land on them. You, want, you don't want to be driving them. You don't want to launch into these quarterbacks. Uh, I get that all the money, these are uh, the most important player for the team. This is the most important player for the, the visual aspect and the salesmanship of, of the NFL. I get all of that stuff and what's driving this. But it's we're starting to get into the area of, uh, remember a, a couple of years ago when everything was a, a pass interference call and it felt like there was a, a tipping point where the the receivers, it felt like everybody had two or three really good receivers. The draft was churning out all of these awesome receivers. Everybody, It just felt like there was this wonky time where there was a lot of good receivers. Uh, the corners were kind of catching up a little bit still. And all of a sudden, uh, it felt like they didn't. the refs didn't know how to officiate the receivers. They needed to clear up some things on uh, contact and what was actually allowed, what was hand fighting versus actual P.I., and for a few weeks, it was a mess. Even, I would say, probably most of that season was a mess. Uh, and then you kind of figure it out. And now uh, we're back a little bit. Not all the way, obviously. Offense has the upper hand still. But you're back a little bit to allowing a quarterback to still try and make a play for that ball. It feels like we're in the same zone with roughing the passer and rules around the quarterback. Where we've gone to the other side of these quarterbacks are valued so highly. They're so important that now they just clearly, they really just don't want you to hit the quarterback. They would really just prefer if you're, if the quarterback's in the pocket, just, just avoid hitting them at all. And that's the way that kind of seems like if I know that's not actually what they're doing, but it feels like that's the way the games are getting called. And we've swung too far to where it's actually impacting in the Falcons game. It's actually impacting the outcome of these games. And I don't know. I, I don't. I, I come bearing a problem without a solution. I don't want them to review another thing. I'm really over the reviewing of everything and the slowing down of the pace of the game and the, the sometimes the slog that these games get into. But something has to, to change. And I know it's not going to be the rules around the most important and highly valued player on the field. But something has somebody has to get in the ear of these officials because now it's it's impacting the the outcome of a couple of these games, and I foresee it impacting a couple more games before all is said and done, which is a bummer because these defensive ends, I mean, they're getting their they're in the trenches <laughs> during these essentially these car crash collisions for. Uh, for an entire game just to get one sack, it's a bummer that then that sack is turned into a flag. Yeah, I think I think you you bring up an interesting story because I think it intersects a lot of the problems with the league right now. Um, the Tua Tayo Supervovova, uh, I obviously said that correctly. Uh, story revolves around both both of the tackles on him that caused those head injuries were actually tackles that are never called for roughing the passer, which was the sling down throw. So basically, okay, what is against the rules now when they're tackling a quarterback is they can't go for the head and neck. So when the arm, because what they used to do is swing the arm down over the head and basically just slam a quarterback backwards. That's against the rules now. 
Uh, they can't go for the knees because if these quarterbacks miss whole seasons, it's kind of unsexy for a team. It kind of ruins the whole vibe. So they're, they're not doing that now. So you can't drop your full weight on them because you're cracking ribs and you're hurting chest that way. Okay, all right. So now what they're doing is they're bear-hugging them and then throwing them to the ground. And let's make no mistake. Defensive players want quarterbacks out of games. Every team, when they game plan, they go, yeah, Tom Brady's great, but man, if we could get to that backup, that'd be way better for us. And, and everyone knows what they mean by that. And they don't want to end anyone's career, but they would love to hurt him just enough to where he sits on the bench for the rest of this game. That is every defensive lineman's dream. To hit the quarterback just the right amount of enough to where they go over to the bench and they don't come back this game. And then you get to get seven sacks on the backup and it's all okay. And nobody's mad and no one's careers are over. Um, the toss down, the problem is these toss downs are what's resulted in so many of these concussion calls on the quarterbacks. Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Tom Tom Brady didn't get a concussion call, but they immediately called roughing the passer on that toss down. Both of two is sacks. This is going to be the issue because throwing them down isn't any better because now you're bouncing their head on the ground. So while it's not roughing the passer because they broke one of the other rules, it's roughing the passer because they're trying to keep these guys from bouncing their heads. That's what ultimately what they want to do is they want to try and protect their brains for at least a little bit. I think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to come up off of one of them. They're going to have to give up one of them. Probably it's going to be the one of falling on the quarterback. They're probably going to say, okay, you know what? Just fall on the quarterback. Like, that's fine. Because that is a little bit better for everybody. That's a more natural tackle. They're less likely to bounce their head off the ground. It hurts. It gets the wind knocked out of them. But they're way less likely to do all the awkward roll-ups with the ankles and everything else. You know what I mean? So I think that that might be the thing that they give back. But I also do think the competition committee is going to go into this in the offseason and they're going to say, okay, we're going to need to review roughing the passer calls now. It's too There's too many games decided by this 15-yard penalty because in the NFL, 15 yards is a ton. You saw with the Chargers-Broncos game, the Chargers kicker had one leg. And at the end of the game in overtime, the Chargers got this eight-yard pass and he barely kicks the ball over the uprights and you feel like those eight yards were the difference between winning and losing. So 15 yards is, is a massive number of yards to just be giving away on subjective calls. Uh, what's also going to develop is that certain referees are going to, certain back judges are going to call it certain ways. And now teams are going to have to know, oh, we got, we got Todd back there today and we know Todd is super strict on these, on the roughing the passers. So guys be aware it's a Todd day. We're going to, we're going to do a lot of wrap ups. And I think that's the other thing they have to start doing. When a defensive lineman wraps up the quarterback, bear hugs them, I think that it's up to the referees to stop the play faster. If they want to protect the quarterbacks, that's going to be what they need to do is start doing a lot of like wrap-up sacks while everyone's still standing and no one's gone to the ground, but okay, the play's over. You got them. Yeah, in in all these scenarios, it's it's getting ironed out later, which means we're going to have some some messy games because of this going forward this year oh there's there's definitely going to be one or two playoff games that that in the end of them in the fourth quarter under five minutes one or two of these penalties are going to come up it's going to happen at least twice in these playoffs there's no way it doesn't and that's going to be the time when it gets highlighted if you remember the saints vikings game 
where the Vikings just flat the flat, the Viking corner just flat out leveled the Saints receiver on a wide open pass interference. The result of that is now pass interference is reviewable. Now the referees, however, the next season did not overturn a single pass yeah. interference call they called on the field, regardless of the video evidence. There were a few times where the announcers were like, "Okay, there's no way this one doesn't get overturned. There's clearly no contact." And the referee would come back and go, "The ruling on the field is upheld." So the referees will tell you when they don't agree with what you're doing as a league. However, you do need to give at least part of the ability to challenge this back to the teams, I think. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, Corey, what's your NFL headline? Okay, so I got two. One of them is just a quick little note, and then one of them I think is worth talking about. Um, John Hussey is gonna, has been announced as the referee for the Raiders game. The Raiders are apparently 0-6 when he referees their games. Uh, so I like our chances. This this helps, I think. I think this is good okay. for us, the Texans. Um, I think it's interesting when referees get called for these things, and then there is a history to that. We were talking off the air about like Steve Jabby and things like that. So I think that this is relevant to mention. If this game ends with the Texans win and the Raiders are 0-7 under John Hussey refereed games, I'm intrigued to see what a guy like Josh McDaniels does about that. Because Josh McDaniels is a Allegedly, I don't think so, but allegedly, a smart head coach who follows a lot of data and a lot of things. This seems like something he would complain to the league about. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, the other thing, the rate, the Denver Broncos still have one more primetime game and one more all-eyes-on-us game, a London game. And they have one game flex scheduled at the end of the season. How much more terrible football are they going to make us watch? Oh my gosh. The Colts, the Colts have had like two or three primetime games. The Broncos have had four. Did we count three or four uh, before we went on the air? Four. Already that they had. Four, I believe. But it, I mean, they had. That's too many. They have the, the power to flex this stuff, right? So. They should. They should. I know they used to, but I haven't heard them flexing a lot of games lately. I know they used to. I remember. I know exactly what you're talking about. We're coming into Sundays, like the second half of the the season. There would be a game on the schedule where they would be like TBD, and a lot of times the Sunday night football game would swap out. So I know what you're talking about. I just don't recall having seen it in the last year or two. It's one of those things where I think the NFL did what a lot of people did, was look at a Denver team that traditionally has good defenses, uh, a lot of top-level draft talent invested in the offensive side of the ball over the last few years. Think about some of the receivers that they've brought in, uh, some of the offensive line talent, and how it seemed like they were one of the teams, one of several teams that was just a quarterback away in a division that people anticipated would be really, really good uh, in the AFC West. We have the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Raiders, all these teams that were supposed to be really, really good and contenders. And they kind of, it seems, made the bet that this is going to be a lot of really important games. This is going to be a really good team that was going to turn things around. And it was going to be important because not only are they now a good team, but also they're in a really competitive division. And now all of those bets have been bad. 
<laughs> the Chargers might be just mediocre. The Raiders are bad. The Broncos are bad. And so the division is not entertaining. The, the division Colts is not com- as compelling as that was anticipated. And the Broncos are far from the advertisement that maybe a lot of people were sold or bought into headed into the season. And I guess maybe maybe there's a little bit maybe they don't flex games anymore. Maybe it's a little bit of you know what we're not admitting that this is this is the product that we're putting on. Uh, but it was a uh, it was a bad bet. This is a really bad team, and the head coach is a mess. The coaching staff, all of it, all of it's bad. Get it off my TV. So okay, the Texans Broncos game was the second game of the season, right? And I had watched the first game because it was a primetime game, so I already knew how bad the Broncos were coaching-wise and situationally and all of that. Now we're watching the Texans game, my buddy and I. It's in Denver. By the third quarter, the Denver crowd is counting off the play clock so that they stop getting delay-of-game penalties. They had five of them the first week. Help them out a little bit. That's terrible. That's terrible football. On a primetime spot, now the Texans game wasn't primetime. But I think a week later they were primetime again, or two weeks later they were – no, I think it was a week later because was it – who did the Bears play like the, the very next week and it was primetime again? Um, but so anyway, either way. I thought it was – I think that was the Colts, I think, now that I'm saying it all out loud. The Colts have been bad. The Bears have been bad. I thought they the went – The Broncos have been bad. Te- I thought they went Texans, Raiders, Bears I think maybe. So. It, but so it's the Broncos, uh, the Colts, the Bears – have all been terrible teams, and they've all had tons of primetime football. That's a, like they got those way wrong. The Colts were in two or three games. The Bears were in two or three games. The Broncos have been in four, I think. Like it's just been bad football, and the NFL left themselves no outs for it. None. They left themselves nowhere to go and no way to fix it, and I think that that's a huge mistake. If you're Amazon and you've paid the – I mean, how much did they pay for this Thursday Night Pass? They paid a billion dollars to air the Ring of Power. They had to have at least paid half a billion to air Thursday Night Football. So there's no way they're happy with – The Amazon getting hung out to dry on this first year of Thursday Night Football is an underrated, it's, hilarious thing that's happening this year. Because it's actually – I've had – I've gotten the wrong products from Amazon before. It's pretty easy to return stuff with Amazon. You've got to wonder if they're looking over the NFL's return policy right now. Like, how do we give this stuff back? We don't want it. Like, you can even take Tony Gonzalez. We don't want any of it. Like, we regret all of this. Like, how do they not at this point? They haven't had one good game on Thursday night. The, uh, what was it? The Washington-Chicago game. I watched about five minutes, and I turned it off. Because the West Virginia Baylor game was way right. better, I switched over for college football. And that is the worst thing the NFL can hear. They don't have a lot of competition. The NFL kills most competition. But I, I bet there are some some numbers this year that suggest these Thursday night. Sunday night games and even some of these Monday night games aren't doing as well as they should be because they're terrible. I like it when the Manning. I'm pretty fine with just canceling Thursday. <laughs> I like night it football. when the Manning cast doesn't happen because the game is so bad. We're like the the Manning brothers are like we're not gonna, no we're not going to do that game. We're they only do I think eight, between eight and twelve games a year or something like that. I think they upped the number last year it was six games. 
It went so well, though, and I think this year it's 8 or 10 or 12, something in that range. And they still pick the games, though. They still pick which games they're going to work. Uh, they haven't worked any of these games. Like, after, like, week three or week four, when they were trying to figure out why nobody was kicking uh, extra uh, kicking field goals when they should, like, <laughs> they've, been, they've been like, ah, we'll just go to the Rocky Top Alabama game. We're not doing this. Like, <laughs> they've had zero interest in the NFL. We're... We're all over it. We're all over the Thursday night games. They, they have just been so bad. And it's just, it's very counterintuitive to the NFL, who, who smartly makes good products. And I've even, you know, we talk about, I've accused them of conspiratorially hiding concussions because they don't want to look bad. By the way, Cameron Brait, the other guy I was talking about that, that the league has been ignoring, he got carted off the field last week for an, a quote-unquote neck injury. Same guy who the week before had had a, head injury that he claimed was neck the tampa claimed was neck but it was obvious that he had some sort of probable head injury he was stumbling around i don't like, i don't know how you make that a neck injury um and he was carted off the field so like I, they're smart and then all of a sudden they don't know how to make a schedule anymore i just don't understand it it's wild stuff couldn't agree with you more uh yeah thursday night football out on Thursday night football. I mean, I'm still going to watch him. I'm an addict. I got nothing else. Um, I'm scratching my arm waiting for Thursday already. Uh, but I, I do think that it's it's embarrassing what they're putting on. Well, yeah, obviously. But that's more of a, an us problem than anything <laughs> else. Uh, <laughs> obviously, we're just going to watch. Stop saying stupid stuff. It doesn't matter how stuff. bad it is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We cannot have, don't have any self-respect. That's why we watch. Goodness gracious. Let's Why not was be that crazy so true? Here. Why was All that right. so true, Justin? That hurt. <laughs> that's, that's it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky, co-host Corey DLG, producer Nico. Thank you, and make sure that you are subscribing wherever you're finding this podcast. We'll see you next time. we got plenty of content coming throughout the rest of the week.